0: White Sox, White Sox On socks, socks.
1: The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Sale. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me
0: to outside of Chicago. what a fantastic turn of events. If you love the Chicago White Sox, and I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. I am your host Herb Lawrence with Chris Tannehill. My man we are apart tonight. We are usually we do it at your house but hopefully the sound is good for you guys out there but Locked on Socks, we appreciate you guys with the support as you heard with that great open that Chris Tannehill produced. Beautiful. I know people have been telling me they've been hyped up when they get to hear the new open, which we started on episode seven, 16, which this is up until 17. What, Chris Snopek episode?
1: I was going to say the Ross Glode episode.
0: Uh, the g man. Yeah. Well, he, he wore
1: uh, two numbers. Um, I don't remember the other one. I think 26, maybe. But I that remember, sounds right. Yeah, good old number 17, Ross Glode. Your favorite Ross Glode memory, Herb? Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Um, I don't remember one. I think he was set next to paul canerco in the locker room when i used to visit it was either him or tony graffinino or might have been both of them but we all look alike they didn't like when everybody was coming around his locker because they would take up the space next to paul canerco's so it would uh, interfere with gloat or whoever was sitting there and understandably and then paulie moved to the corner locker room after frank left and got the two uh spaces so as the team leader and as a guy that would give the quotes at the game. So people would be like, okay, cool. We have enough space to do our thing, and also the other guys can get out in a timely fashion. But, yeah, we that, got a lot of talk
1: to that's about. Actually I mean, very, that's actually a very but, interesting Ross Glode nugget that I was not expecting. It's much cooler than my Ross Glode memory, which I was going to say. I remember 2006, the Sox were mm-hmm. scuffling a bit, and they went into Baltimore. You know, I think they had, were losing three or three, – In a row, maybe, Ross Glode hits a a ninth-inning Grand Slam. Wow. uh, Yeah, and it helped catapult the uh, White Sox to their 90-win season that year and missed the playoffs. Uh, Was he pinch-hitting? Was he playing Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was was pinch-hitting. Um, you know, this was in the Rob Makoviak era, um uh, where this is where Ozzy was just trying to find any any way to make it all work, even though they still had pretty good numbers that year, but there was a lot of moving parts and I think Ozzy did a pretty damn good job that year of managing. But yeah, Ross Glode, he of the late hitting grand slam in Baltimore, and it was that Grand Slam was not signified out there at Camden Yards when we went. It did not have a little landmark on it. I guess that's only if you reach the uh, the the warehouse building there. So, apparently, it did not land in the uh, near the warehouse. So, try harder next time. I am
0: trying to remember that memory. I do not have that. Maybe I knocked the whole 2006 out of my mind just because it was just like, you know, it was like house money year. Yeah. I wasn't too mad that they didn't go to the playoffs and then finished third place in that division. So, yeah, I just took that out of my mind. I don't remember any real uh, striking Ross Grode playing memories. So I could be wrong the Ross Glowde next to Paul Canerco uh, locker, but I'm pretty sure it's either him and no or one's know her. Tony no, Graffinino. No one's going to know if, I mean, if you're making I'm sure, it sure. Like, I like it, so like, let's roll with like, like Just like three people, like uh, Joe Colley and uh, Merck and uh, Gonzo, were like, no, 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 sir, you're wrong, sir. And come if, on, I, Herb. If,
1: if I know anything about Collie, Gonzo, and Scott Merkin, is they're going to be listening to a White Sox podcast in the off season?
0: Oh, that's their stuff. And, uh, even probably Gregor is going to be like, oh, no, come on, Herb, get your stuff together. But, yeah, there's a lot of news, not just White Sox news. I mean, yesterday we're taping this on Wednesday the 5th, the trade went down and stopped baseball for a night, and the Twitter went wild. Mookie bets for pretty much Alex Verdugo, with David Price going along with Mookie bets to LA and Cash. So, Boston and Cash. Really <laughs> Alex Verdugo and a minor leaguer, I think they got from Minnesota, which they, the Dodgers, sent. Up to Minnesota. So
1: his name, uh, Bruzdar Gradarol, which sounds like a pharmaceutical (laughs) company or something you take for a migraine. But Twins fans, I was reading, they're not particularly thrilled to give up this kid.
0: A hundred mile per hour throwing kid. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Is he a reliever?
1: Yeah, I guess he he still doesn't really have a, a role quite yet, but he, he pitched in some relief last year, I believe. I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about, but I was just reading uh, some twin fan commentary. and In general, they just don't like to part with with young pitching. So if they're mad about that, then that, that's a good day. I was going to say it's a really bad day for baseball because the twins got better by getting Kenton Maeda, who had a yes, they did. decent year last year, and he certainly makes the rotation better.
0: He's probably their third starter. Um, behind Barrios and Jake Odorizzi. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would think so. Or maybe they're
0: number one.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, the Barrios thing. I mean, I've, I always feel like he's got the number one stuff. Um, okay. I, yeah, I, I guess you'd have to put him uh, number two. Yeah, Odorizzi is definitely your number one. Th- yeah, three is probably a good spot for Maeda. Um, but yeah, so that that that's a little bit of a... Uh, a shot in the nuts uh, for the White Sox playoff hopes, maybe a little bit, just because they got just that much better. So, but you know that's why they play the games. But you know it's just it's not a great day for baseball when one of your stars of the game, uh, who's played his entire you know great career, albeit short, with with one team uh, mm-hmm. in one of your your marquee cities, and all of a sudden they just decide that they can't afford to keep him because. Uh, they want to stay below the luxury tax. It just It's not good. And it's in—and and what I really thought from this was they don't value prospects. Like I mean, they put a lot of value on prospects. And when I say that, I mean for Mookie Betts, they didn't get a whole lot in return. And I know there was a lot going on here with salary relief, but you're talking about an MVP candidate, perennial MVP candidate, and they didn't get much in return for him. I know Verdugo's a nice player. And I know he's only got the one-year control left, but these teams are just not parting with these prospects like they used to.
0: Yeah, it's really weird that Alex Verdugo, Like, if you're going to put all the first-year or prospect players on a list, he's not making the top 30, 40? I don't know what the number is. Somebody can correct me if they're out there. Not very impressive. 14 home runs, I think, last year for the Dodgers part-time. Uh, player because their outfield had a nice glut in it, but he, you know, he contributes. He's good. He's, he's exciting. But for, like you said, MVP guy, a 10 war guy, two years ago in 2017, he was huge. He was a guy that everybody has recognized. And I think I pulled up the stat today and said it on more show since 2015, if you go by F war, it's Mike Trout with the 44 F war Then falls off the table to Mookie Betts, who's like a 35 f four. Then Chris Bryant at a 27. It's a group of other people. But Mike Trout, the best player in the game. Then the next best player is Mookie Betts. Now, coincidentally, they're both in the L.A. area. And that baseball uh, excitement out there is going to be good. But like you said, for the game overall, for people that enjoy uh, the sport, They're gonna be like, okay, this is what we're doing now. We're trading twenty-seven-year-old studs. Firstly, trading them. Secondly, when we do trade them, we don't get proper value back for them. This is not what we want. And I was next to you while you're cutting up the stuff from, I think, was the EEI and the Boston fans. Yeah, I want to
1: get to that. Yeah, I mean, just this. this It was tepid. Yeah, this whole – I don't know what's what fans are turning into. I, I hope this is just a, a case where East Coast City, spoiled by recent success – where they all of a sudden they want to cape for ownership and they want to be excited that a team is going to come in under the luxury tax. So you're talking about money that's not even their own. It's someone else's money. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you want to throw bouquets at ownership for staying under the luxury tax. And I get it. There's a different mentality when you're a top tier market team like a Boston, New York, LA, where maybe you're not particularly interested in sharing revenues with teams like the Pirates and maybe even the White Sox, but this whole thing where you rather see a, a star go in his prime and you you rather hang up a, a, a beneath the luxury tax banner. I mean, if you're ownership, don't you get into this to 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 win titles and compete year in and year out, and not just you know oh we we you know earn more money for our investors and this and that. And I know it's easy for me to say because I'm not a billionaire, but why get into sports ownership if this is how you're gonna treat your your fan base and that's how you're going to approach owning a team it just it doesn't make any sense to me i I guess i just rather see them compete maybe this situation was uh, a lost cause to begin with maybe they knew there was absolutely no way he was going to sign an extension. The reports are that he wanted four hundred million dollars. Um, you know, you can only believe of half of what you hear, I suppose. But I, I guess you can't just let him walk and get nothing for him. But I guess I'm just mm-hmm. surprised at how little they did get for him. As all, well.
0: I know it's a little different situation, but this is a White Sox uh, podcast, so people are tuning in for White Sox specific things. I would just uh, make this akin to getting. Luis Robert. He's been a guy you signed internationally as the White Sox guy. You had him, you developed him, he comes up and he is the guy that you drafted. And Mookie Best was a fifth round guy. So he wasn't a top number one draft. He was a fifth round guy out of high school. Um out of Tennessee, I believe he came out of high school. And they hit exactly what the guy should be. You know, they weren't expecting the fifth round guy to be the second best player. In baseball, but imagine if Luis Robert—Robert, sorry—I gotta keep on reminding myself. If Luis Robert becomes some part of what Mookie Betts was in Boston, and then at the end of his deal, and if we didn't sign him to a extension, this would be the problem. They're like, you know what? Mm, he's great, but actually, let's get him off our team because when he becomes a free agent, we won't be able to afford him at the end of the year. And it's not like you know there's a gun to their head right now to trade Mookie Betts. They could wait until the All-Star break before the trade deadline and say, hey, you know, we're not going anywhere. The Yankees are behemoth. They're up by 15 games on us. Mookie, it's been real, man. We appreciate your service. You did everything we wanted you to do, but we see the the end is near. We're going to try to get something for you that I would have reluctantly said. You know what? This That was last straw. They had to do it. This seems like it was a directive from ownership that said, hey, get rid of this guy immediately. And I don't care what you get back from because to get only Alex Verdugo back. And like you said, it does, you know, having David Price along with that made it the, the return be not so great. It's just still criminal, and I wish that baseball fans would speak up a little bit more. They're feeling like they're more on their team side than the actual player side. Mookie has every right to ask for $400 million. If Joan Mancata, when he comes up for the White Sox in a couple years, wants his market value – I'm not going to poo-poo him and say that he's greedy. If Yohan Mankata becomes Mookie Betts, if Yoan Mankata becomes one of the best players in the game, I'll tell Yoan Mankata, do not sign with the White Sox. Go to free agency, brother. Get your money right. Let teams compete for you. And if the White Sox are in that camp of giving you the most money and you're comfortable here, sign back with us. But the last thing I'm going to be doing is siding with the White Sox. If Johan Mancata decides that he doesn't want to sign this extension, like Eloy and like Luis and like all the players in the White Sox before pre art and if he wants to go to free agency, do your thing, man. Same thing with Lucas Giolito, get your money. And I'm I'm not of that that this fan base that thinks the team can do no wrong and cheering for the team no matter what. I cheer for the individual players. The team is just a is the team I cheer for, but if the management is cheap and the ownership is cheap, I'm not going to be on the che- the cheap side. I'm going to be on the player's side for getting as much money as they can.
1: No doubt, and I, and you know it gets back to what sports is all about. You, you find a player, and you kind of you, and as, at a young age, you kind of you connect with a player, right? You, you identify mm-hmm. with one player, and usually that's what kind of draws you in to liking the sport. Or the team, and you know, I, I, I worry that we're our, the younger generation of fans is going to grow up with this until they make a change in the collective bargaining agreement and the owners put this in uh, for themselves. But I, I hope that there's changes in this because baseball can't like their young stars, uh, you know, being traded uh, when they don't have to be. But getting back around to the White Sox and how they relate to this, uh, of course, Mookie Betts is a right fielder, and there's mm. another tr- there's another trade. Oh another trade mm. involving a right fielder. Uh, mm. it happened uh, that hurt. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Starling Marte, who was number oh. one on my on my white sox offseason to- do list, uh, was traded from the Pirates. To the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we're not going to get into uh, who he was traded for, but it, it wasn't a lot. I mean, he was traded. He was trash. Yeah, he was traded for right-handed pitcher Brendan Malone. And here I am getting into who they traded for, but just to illustrate the point, he was a 33rd pick in the 2019 draft, uh, sh- uh, 19-year-old shortstop from the Dominican Republic, toolsy shortstop. Okay, whatever. Um, I'm going to put this disclaimer on this right now. Um, Unless the White Sox hope to be in on the signed Mookie Betts bandwagon next offseason, then I'm cool with them taking a pass on Starling Marte, who is thirty one years old and but he still was a three war player last year. If they're planning on filling their right field hole with with Mookie Betts next year, cool. I'm 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 cool with you passing on Starling Marte. But or George Springer. Yeah, George Springer too. Although you have to look at him now, kind of, kind of side eye. I mean, I'd, I'd still take him on my team, no doubt. But yeah, anything, I think we have to let the Astro stuff come out in the wash a little bit. Um, but yeah, but so Starling Marte would be a great fit for the White Sox. Uh, still a hole uh, in in right field uh, as far as until they prove me wrong. Until Nomar Mazar proves me wrong, there's still a hole. But it gets back to how little they got in return, and you know I, the Sox wouldn't have had to give up. Uh, A Nick Madrigal or uh, or a Vaughn, I don't think, to get Starling Marte. So this is – it's frustrating. So, you know, again, I'm not going to lose any sleep over losing a a 31-year-old right fielder. But he would have made this team better. And, you know, a lot of people have illustrated the point. You're only in a four-year window. You're in the giolito Moncada window. So mm-hmm. you have to capitalize every offseason and every opportunity to improve. You have to capitalize on that. So I'm still a little bit upset that the Sox didn't capitalize on it. Maybe they tried. Maybe, you know, who knows? A lot of things happen that we'll never know about, but you never heard them connected at all. Uh, You heard all the smart people like me and and James Fox kind of talking about this from the very beginning of the offseason because it was a target. You didn't have to spend any money on just prospect equity. And apparently you didn't have to spend a lot of that equity to get this man. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out uh, next year and how they decide to improve right field. Maybe Mike Rodolfo becomes uh, someone you can rely on next year. I'm not counting on it. It would be nice to solve that problem from within, but I guess uh, we'll see where it goes. Your thoughts on that, I guess, are pretty much lockstep with mine on that.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that Rick Hahn had a single minded focus to get Nomar Mazzara. We heard the rumors around the trade deadline that the Sox were interested in Nomar Mazzara. He's had an obsession with this guy, maybe because he does well versus the White Sox hits man with home runs. But so he went into the offseason with the thought that, okay, get Nomar Mazzara. That's our right fielder. He's inexpensive. He's 24, will be 25 during the season. Uh, giving up Steel Walker, not a big deal, I mean, in the grand scheme. But I also think that you drafted that man last year and you're already giving up on a second round draft pick. It's kind of odd to me. I know Steel Walker is not going to be anything, any great shakes, but you were telling me, the White Sox, that he was. So what's the deal? Is your drafting being bad? Because I keep on seeing that. The last two people we have that out of your draft class, Magical and Vaughn, are pretty much the guys that are last on the prospect. list the, the last type of high prospects you have. Burgers, I don't know. I, I, I pray for that kid every day because, man, he's had two Achilles of the same uh, foot. And I haven't seen him pick up a bat since those happened. And the other draft picks are just trash. So that's what I'm worried about. Rick just going into this soft season saying, no Mazar is the guy, no Castellanos, no Puig, no thoughts of getting Starlin Marte, no thoughts of even getting into this Mookie Betts sweepstakes because it seems like they could have got Mookie Betts maybe for Madrigal, and I would, listen to me, White Sox fans, <laughs> I literally, literally will pick up Nick Madrigal, wherever he's at, or oregon wherever he lives arizona and drive him to wherever boston trains at if they got mookie bets i would have done that but it seems like rick was like he's like you know we got no Mazar we're good we're good for the next two years or three years for no Mazar we're fine and if he doesn't play well this year we'll go out and get mookie we'll be in that sweepstakes but yeah, I just think that there was no thought to getting your guy, and it was a smart move. I, When you told me about it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I looked at his numbers. like, okay, he's better than I thought he was, and outfield defense, he's excellent. So, I, you know, it was a missed opportunity. He is a guy that didn't cost that much, would have had, what, two more years of service time left?
1: Yeah, I believe two more years, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. What can you do?
1: Yeah.
0: Arizona well, got away, and they had, they've they had an actual decent offseason themselves, the D backs. And Pittsburgh, look at that roster, guys. Go right now. If you're not in the car, go check on your phone. Pound that, that under. Pittsburgh roster, oh, my Jesus, it is the worst offensive roster I've seen in a while. <laughs> they uh, might not win 50 games.
1: Getting back to uh, guys on the current uh, roster. So, Yoan Moncada beat Cody Bellinger this week, did he not?
0: Damn right. On the Locked On, I'm Locked On tournament. Yohan Moncada came as a nine seed. Firstly, insulting, ridiculous. Come on, Locked On people. We're going to prove that. Yeah. And yeah, and then like Dodgers fans before the tournament started or before the uh, final started, it was him versus Cody Bellinger. We're talking Mad Smack. It's like who's Yohan Moncada? Like he's the tenth best player in the AL according to MVP boats last year. Let's go, and you'll see who Yoan Moncada is. And then the the tournament came out and or the uh, final came out and 100 votes in. It was like 91 to nine in favor of Cody Bellinger. And so White Sox Twitter got to work. And that's one thing that I'm very, very happy about. And Johan winning this White Sox Twitter showed up big time for Johan Moncada to proved over many guys that people might say are better. I think he beat be Frankie Lendor. He beat Alex Bregman. He beat Cody Bellinger. The guy has some cachet, and White Sox fans really appreciate what he did from year to year. 2018, he led the league in strikeouts. 2019, he came back as a top 10 MVP player, and he's just ascending. And is very proud that White Sox Twitter took it to every other Twitter on the Locked On uh, Locked On network and showed. What we're all about, and White Sox Twitter. While people say we don't have fans, and people say that we don't show up, we showed up for Johan Moncada, and we're going to show up in the ballpark this year to root on our White Sox.
1: No doubt, and Johan Moncada continues to stack up the accolades. Of course, number one, he's got a good baseball face. No doubt, number one, this is a good baseball face. And number two, he beats <laughs> Cody Bellinger in uh, locked-on Twitter polls. So and I love the interaction. I love the feedback we've been getting this week. And if you want to shoot us an email, and maybe we'll do a, a mailbag segment, uh, why don't you tell the uh, good folks, uh, l- the listeners, how they can get in contact with us and uh, shoot okay. us an email.
0: All right. If you want to email us, and a lot of people have already, we got your emails. Leonard, I think uh, uh, Matt sent us an email. It's locked on socks at gmail.com. Locked on socks at gmail.com. Leave us a message in there. Put me and Tanny both in there and ask us a question. And one guy's already offering tickets. I'll We'll get to that when we have our mailbag segment. But every week we'll have – we'll dedicate some time to one episode where we're going to read your emails and – Discuss what you're going to be asking us, me and Tanny. So, lockedonsocks at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at lockedonsocks. We're on, uh, not on Facebook. We're Instagram. on Instagram at LockedOnSox. So you can follow us anywhere. Follow Tanny at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Follow me at Wall 23 on Twitter. And I think I'm Wall 23 also on Instagram. I, you're Chris Tannehill on Instagram also. Yep. I don't know if you want people to follow you on Instagram. Of, of course. You can look up- you guys can follow my face. You can just see my face. I don't, you know, it's not great, but I do things. And Tani and I go places. So this year we're gonna go to Oracle Park in San Francisco in May. I am taking Courtney. You're taking your lovely wife, and we're gonna go out to see. I think it's my seventeenth, and I think you're like twenty-three. You're deep.
1: No, you're no, almost done. I no. I think I'm at nineteen.
0: Nineteen. Okay, yeah, this could be twenty. Like I gotta it. double
1: check it. Yeah, no, no, I don't think I'm in the twenties just yet. But we'll but t- you've
0: done. You've done like f- this will be your fourth of five California ballparks though.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, looking Pretty forward to done. it. I mean, yeah, it's it will be a fun time, and uh, I hope to uh, you know see some of the peeps out there, some of the listeners, uh, both from the score and Locked On Socks, and just some of the good people with White Sox Twitter. Don't be don't be shy to. Say something to us. If you see us out in these streets, I saw someone who said they saw me at Dengio's. <laughs> just say hello when you see me at Dengio's. I'm out here yeah. in the streets. Yeah, and exactly. Shout out to my guy who, who saw me at SoxFest. He hit us up on Twitter. And, you know, I, I, we love talking to the people. So
0: Yeah, we're regular dudes. Just come say hello to us. We're going to have a conversation. If you went to the Reggie's post game or uh, post SoxFest thing, you saw that we're just regular dudes. Nothing special about us. We like to talk White Sox. So, anytime you can interact with us on Twitter, on Instagram, especially on in locked on uh, uh, parts of these, and then locked on at gmail.com, do it, please. It's Herb Lawrence. The voice you heard in, uh, before this was Chris Tannehill. And before you guys go away, remember, Chris Tannehill produced that open. I know you want to listen again to this episode just so you can hear that open and get hyped up again. Trust me. I've listened to it five times before I released the episode uh, 16 just so I can hear that exciting uh, White Sox. Uh, like It's like a hype video, but it's only audio. <laughs> I just get hyped up because, Chris, you, know, you if you've followed him on the score, he's got audio genius written all over him. So for Herb Lawrence – Chris Tannehill, this has been episode 17. I don't know if we're going to have a snowpack or glowed. I'm going to actually find what the 17 is, the most part of 17 is, and I'll be up there probably on Thursday morning for your commute. We appreciate you listening to Locked on Sock.